You're listening to the Heal Better Fast podcast, dedicated to bridging the gap between alternative healthcare and mainstream medicine in utilizing everything good to help you feel great. We're glad you tuned in. Now here's your host, Dr. Michael Pound. Today's episode is all about parents and kids, and we talk about sports, we talk about lifestyle, we talk about balance. And so if you've got kids, if you've got kids playing sports, if you want to help them prevent injuries and listen to these different discussions on dangers that they face, you're going to like my guest today. Dr. Jennifer is orthopedic surgeon, a sports orthopedic surgeon, brilliant mind, has accomplished so much in her career, and she's willing to come on the show and share some of her best tips with us. So please welcome Dr. Jennifer Weiss. Good morning, Jennifer. Welcome to the podcast today. Good morning. Thank you so much for having me. So happy to have you on the show today because we're going to talk about a subject that's near and dear to me, which is kids in sports, which I think you've got a pretty good background in both of these, right? (laughs) Kids and sports, yes. Uh, Children that are my own and uh, three of them that live in my house, as well as my many patients over the last uh, 15 years being a pediatric orthopedist who specializes in uh, pediatric sports injuries. My oldest is almost 12. Um, I'm forgetting about her a little bit these days because she's at camp on the East Coast for the month, which is uh, very, um, it's making our house very quiet. And then I have an nine, an eight-year-old daughter and a seven-year-old son. Okay. So yeah, I have, I have four boys. I have a five-year-old, eight-year-old, or nine-year-old, 11-year-old. Tell me a little bit about your background and how you got into what you do. Sure. Um, so My father was an orthopedic surgeon, and he um, asked me, or apparently I was asked when I was in kindergarten what I was going to do when I grew up, and I said, well, I'm going to do two things. I'm going to be a ballerina and an orthopedic surgeon, Um, and one of those things happened, and one of those things did not happen. Um, So I I really grew up um, in this space with orthopedics as part of my my family, my parental family. Um, But what was interesting is when I went to medical school, I really found orthopedics to be unappealing at first because of the kind of male domination of the field. So I promptly announced to my father, I'm done. I'm not going to be an orthopedic surgeon. I'm going to be a pediatrician. And then as the years of medical school went on and my rotations went on, I really fell um, back in love with being a surgeon and then um, subsequently being an orthopedic surgeon. And then I mixed the pediatric aspect back in as well. But I'm still not a ballerina. I actually have a lot of kids who come in who do like different types of sports. And so I really want to get into that. But uh, some of these kids can get into these sports and become hyper flexible, which I see as a problem. But one of these problems that I get asked about, and I'm sure you do all the time, is how our kids are sitting, right? Whether it's the proper way or improper way. So let's talk just for a second about W sitting. What does that come from? Is it good? Is it bad? Should parents be worried? Sure. So W sitting happens when kids have something called femoral antiversion. So all babies are born with their thigh bones, with their femurs, pointing further in um, toward the center. And as children grow, this self-corrects to a neutral alignment. This is in our genes, in our, in our DNA, in our map of our bodies. Um, so when kids are little, they very naturally turn their legs in, which 
the most comfortable way for them to sit is therefore in a W, oftentimes as opposed to the crisscross applesauce or what, what um, I grew up calling, and it's, it's not correct anymore, but we used to call it Indian style just for reference for people who are um, older and perhaps don't know the new terminology. So this W sitting is not causing the problem. Um, it's not necessarily a problem. It's the way children are aligned and, um, and that's normal. However, I have one caveat, which is that if a child has issues with tone, meaning strength, especially core strength, the W sitting is not a great idea because it does not prompt the child or the adult to use their core to sit up. So the, the crisscross position is excellent for kids who need to work on their tone or their strength. But it will no, in no way change or worsen the shape of the legs to sit in a W. Now, when it comes to our own kids and kids in sports, what types of injuries are you seeing the most of in practice? Yeah, so the most common surgical injury that I see for kids in sports are anterior cruciate ligament tears. And they are unfortunately a really rampant epidemic, especially among young female athletes. Um, This is an uh, a recognition and an epidemiology that we've really tried to study um, to understand why why so many of them now. And there's a lot of theories. One is that um, young women and girls are participating in sports more, which is excellent, um, but perhaps they are moving in a way that's different than their male counterparts that's putting them at risk for this injury. Um, so the anterior cruciate ligament is, is my biggest um, enemy in um, in terms of what I'm taking care of. Yeah, and I became very familiar with this when I tore my ACL, and so I started studying different ways to strengthen it, and I found that, like you said, it's very common in females as they're growing because of the the hips, the waist, the, the knees, and a lot of times how they're moving. And so I started studying knee strengthening programs to help people move sure. better and try and avoid injury. But I would agree with you, it's it's a it's a orthopedically it's a nightmare. Now in my practice I don't usually I don't see this because they get, they go to you, they don't come to me. <laughs> a lot of what I see is repetitive use. And so we're seeing a lot of tendonitis in the knee, in the ankles, and among these are a lot of the baseball players and tumblers, right? People doing these repetitive stress problems. And in baseball, it's commonly the pitchers and the catchers. So in your opinion, is there too much, too much of this pitching or catching or sports in general that kids do at at an age? And what age should they be doing more? What age should they be doing less? What are you seeing in practice? Yeah, so it's such a, um, it's not only a hot topic in 2018, really throughout my career, this has been such a hot topic. The kind of buzzwords um, have ranged from how much is too much to now the um, AOSSM, which is the uh, Sports Medicine Society, has a campaign about the ones, um, the stop sports injuries, and um, the Orthopedic Academy has a campaign about the one sport injury. So there's all all these different ways to say if our kids are doing one thing too much too often, they're going to get hurt and they're going to strain themselves. I think it's, um, it's, it's really on point that you mentioned the throwing athlete because that's 
really the only sport that anybody has been able to get some traction in terms of actual numbers, in terms of how much throwing is safe and what are the actual recommended numbers. So there's numbers out there in terms of at what age, how many pitches per week and per month um, should be safe for kids. Um, and we don't have that counterpart part for people like dancers, tumblers, um, runners. There are kids running marathons these days, and um, we don't have a great, I, I, I guess I'll ask you what, what your opinion is. And from my orthopedic standpoint, we have no great evidence as to when to tell people to, it's too much. Um, and so my anecdotal, the way that I communicate to my families is we have to listen to our body. And so if somebody is feeling a twinge, um, a bit of pain, that is our signal to rest and that these kids are not getting a paycheck for their sport and they are still kids and they are still students. And we have to maximize not only how um, their bodies are functioning, but how much they're enjoying their sports because we want them to stay active and not become obese adults. What's important is not only the numbers of the pitches on one particular team, um, but also, I don't know about your, your uh, son, but so many of them are playing on many teams. And so the, who's counting these pitches? And certainly if they have more than one coach, it's important for the family to keep track of this stuff. And um, if they're on a travel team and then they're on a school team and then they're also on a club team of some sort, it, it really can get sticky trying to keep keep track of all this. And the other thing that is interesting is it's not just the pitcher because every time a pitcher pitches, a catcher throws it back. And so the catchers are also really prone to these injuries and not necessarily being counted in the same way. Yeah, I love that you said that because you're right. They're they're throwing to someone and someone's throwing it back every time. So as I said before, <laughs> right. my my catchers, I see them. I see them not only with the the arm stuff, but the 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 knee stuff as well from squatting. Also yeah. that and that brings up a great point. Squatting is it bad? Is it good? I see kids, young kids doing CrossFit squatting. Is that good or bad? Yes, um, I my in my opinion, squatting is good only if the form is good. And it is one of those exercises that can be done wrong. And if it's done with the improper alignment or going past that 90-degree point, then it starts to really stress that knee out. Um, so to me, the um, ability for a young person to do a squat properly is, is pretty challenged. Um, so I like the squat exercise in theory, just like I like a push-up in theory, but there's so many ways to do it wrong. So it has to be monitored and taught properly. I'm with you. And, and I also see a lot of people having problems with squats due to ankle immobility or ankle dysfunction. And so they'll have tight, you know, they can have tight hamstrings, tight calves. And so they have no flexibility in their ankles. So it's very tough. So their, their knees, their hips, the upper part of the body takes a lot of the stress. That is such a great point. And um, what I've learned actually through my yoga practice is um, that there is a modification that one can make where you put basically a triangle or a towel or some sort of an elevation to the heel that you can correct for that um, ankle or Achilles tightness or ankle immobility to get somebody into a better squat. But that is such a great point that I didn't learn until um, probably later in my career than I wished I had. Okay. And speaking of the foot, I've had many different people on the show with different opinions on how to stabilize the foot. 
or how to support the rest of our body. Now, that's the foundation of our bodies. So when we're talking about kids and growing feet, do we use orthotics? Do we do barefoot running? Is there happy medium? How do we support the body? Yeah, such a such a great question. Um, my thought about kids and, and orthotics is the following. An orthotic is not going to change the way the foot grows. So this is veering a little bit. Sorry about what you asked, but a lot of the questions that I get from my patients' parents are, my kid's foot is flat. Should I put an orthotic in so that they develop an arch? And um, my answer to that is, well, guess what? I wore high heels last night, and I was six feet tall for a little while, but I took my high heels off, and now I'm again 5'10". So the orthotics <laughs> are not going to change the shape of feet, right? Um, do, however, if somebody is having pain or ear specifically like in their perineals, um, in their Achilles, or if somebody's having pain in the fronts of their knees or their flexors, oftentimes putting an arch support in can be very helpful to reload them, support them, and take and just align them a little differently to make them feel better. So for me, those are the roles for those orthotics. And then in terms of the stability, for me, I want people to gain their strength um, in their muscles as opposed to something external. About barefoot running, um, I think that that is, in my opinion, pushing it a little bit further than I am comfortable, but I do like for especially growing children to spend time out of shoes, at least walking around and playing around so that their feet have a chance to uh, to support and learn to support their bodies. Yeah, and I'd have to say I'm I'm there with you. You know, I've got a little bit of my, my kids running around the neighborhood. They're just in their socks. You know, they're having fun. And then at the same time, you know, I want to make sure they do have s- some good support when they're out playing sports, when they're running around. And so I'm, I, I'm a mixer <laughs> when it comes to feet and my kids. I think that I think that's great. All right. So as we know, you have some kids. One of the common questions is, how do you fit in exercise for yourself, self-care as a doctor? So how do you, in your busy life, fit it in? Yes, that's, um, that is uh, such an such a, um, important, important topic. So um, for me personally, I was that intern, that resident, that if I had 15 minutes in the middle of the night on call, I would run the stairs in the, in the hospital. Um, I would find a way to get it in. And that is not because I'm awesome. That's because when I didn't do it, I noticed that I became such a grouch that I just, I I couldn't function well. So I am a person that has by necessity had to fit exercise into my life. Um, There's a couple of things that I have incorporated in my day as I've gone through my career. Number one, exercise either before work, during work, even if it's 15 minutes to run stairs or run around the block or what have you. And then um, for me, if I haven't done it before I drive home, that is the time for me to transition. I'm not going to reemerge into my family life until I have had a chance to get my exercise in. It's my meditation. It is my mindfulness. It is my everything to just give a moment to myself to transition from all that I've given to my patients through the day, recharge myself a bit, and then be there um, for my family. Um, and I think that the other the other piece appreciated in this discussion of um, wellness for physicians is this instead of looking at it as work-life balance, I'm, I've been looking at it as work-life integration. So um, it really recharges me, for instance, 
if I can bring one of my children with me to a meeting. It really recharges me if I can go to their school and talk to them about my career. It really recharges me when I can bring these things all together um, so that I don't have to choose am I being a surgeon right now or am I being a mom right now? And I can actually be all that I am at one time. In in my house, you know, we don't, there, there's definitely a separation. You know, I, can't, I don't work on patients at home, although I, I have helped people <laughs> at home before, but yeah. all, that's all my family Absolutely. reunions, right? I'm sure you can relate. You go there and there, everyone's got a laundry list of questions for you, uh, problems that they'd like help well, with. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, but I really try to find that, that balance of, I talk about my family in practice, you know, a lot of people I treat have families as well. And at home, same thing. That brings up another good point, trampolines. <laughs> oh, yes. Um, we, I am, I am a, um, if you Google me, you will find all sorts of information and position statements about the dangers of trampolines. And these exist, and I've done research papers on it. Um, and um, these are published under my name. Um, yet in my backyard, you will see a trampoline. And um, the the um, point that I make to um, my friends when they make fun of me about this is, look, I understand the risks. I understand the risks of what can happen with children on trampolines. They can break things. Um, I understand how to maximize our safety. And I also believe that um, letting my kids run and jump around and um, not keeping them in bubble wrap is really important for my family. Um, so, yes, and, and just the other night, my, um, I came home actually to find a very dangerous situation, with, which was my husband on the trampoline with my children. And I drew the line there a rule that we have you are with the little people and he begrudgingly got off <laughs> yeah that, that and that's you know i'll this is where i'll come clean we do not have a trampoline my mom wanted to buy a trampoline i said no i see too many injuries with a trampoline she bought my brother one and of course <laughs> the one time they get hurt is when i go on there i'm like hey let's try this out and and there you go uh, a knee injury yes. so. <laughs> Yeah. Luck, luckily, yeah. you have the skills to fix that. You know, that's a good thing. Exactly. But my wife would be happy to hear your 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 opinion, which is, you know, let him go out, experience things. That's kind of the, the route she takes as well. Yeah, I, I think um, I, I don't want to grow up resenting being brought up in bubble wrap. Now, is there anywhere you do draw the line with your kids that maybe you say, okay, you shouldn't be doing this. Don't participate in these types of activities uh, due to, you know, personal reasons based off of your professional experience? Sure. I actually, I have two um, places where I draw the line that are, um, uh, that are um, already upsetting my children. And both are really future things because my kids are pretty little. One is no, no motorcycles ever. Um, and that was actually my father's um, rule. He was like, if you need to experiment with whatever it is, I understand it. But if I catch you on a motorcycle, you are never coming home again. Um, because as orthopedic surgeons, we just take care of so many broken people that it's, it's very upsetting. Um, the second thing is actually I have my seven-year-old son is a very athletic, large, monstrous, um, boisterous boy, and he will not play football. And um, I, uh, I, I draw that line in terms of the concussion risk. Um, 
I am also hypocritical, however, because he does play soccer and there's many concussions in soccer. Um, but that is the line in my family, my personal space. I have no judgment uh, uh, for families that do choose to let their children play football. I have to take care of football players. I love taking care of them, but um, my son won't play football. I'm glad you brought that up as well. The concussion concussion problem. How many concussions is too much? What should we, we be looking for? Do you think concussions can often go undetected um, and be a risk in the future? Yes. So I, I think that the pendulum or the needle on this has swung so much in, since I became a physician 15 years ago that I've learned enough to say I don't have any idea um, and that I actually am um, concerned that even one concussion is too much. And so for me, I become very worried if somebody has had a concussion, I want to really pull them back and really, really be mindful and um, and safe with them. And so, for instance, if, my, if one of my session, I would probably pull them from soccer and push them to, um, into a, a true non-contact sport. Um, you know, we, we call football contact and lacrosse contact, and then we call soccer and basketball different words, but they're contact too. Yeah, and my wife played soccer as she was growing up, and the interesting thing is, is when we have that discussion and we talk about, you know, there's a few, a few women who are soccer players who are very notable in, in the media right now for having problems that they think are related to concussions as they're growing up. And and I think, like you said, oftentimes in the past, they've kind of brushed it aside, like, okay, you, you know, you'll get back into it. But when I see these kids come in and I'm doing, I'm helping them and we look at their health history and there's multiple concussions, I said, well, didn't they t- tell you not to have any more after the first one? You know, but, but that, right. <laughs> that, that means then we have a serious conversation saying that one is too many. That's, that's too many. Yeah, I, I, I'm with you on that. Okay. So preventatively, is there anything that we can do to help our help protect our kids? You know, whether it be a good diet, a regular exerciser program, stretching. What would you say is the top thing that p- parents can do to help protect their kids? Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask for two. Am I allowed to have two? <laughs> okay, we'll go with two. One. Okay, one is cross training. So I, as as I mentioned, that name the one sport injury. So allowing children to not specialize too early. That is so important. I think both physically and mentally um, to not put all the eggs in one basket of sports. And that is uh, probably worth an entire other um, session with us um, or somebody, um, which is obesity prevention and um, understanding that once somebody does become obese, the risks to their bones, their joints, their muscles, um, their cardiovascular system, all of these things is um, just so elevated. And so if I could ask one thing of our society, it is let's, let's address this obesity epidemic. What is too early? What's, what age would you say is too early to dedicate to one sport? Yes, for me, and I'm going to sound um, different than a lot of than a lot of um, than a lot of experts. But I would not want to see somebody specialize in one sport at all before high school. Um, in in my day, I'm 47, so in my day, we were still playing many sports in high school and and often in college. I went to a Division three school where many of us played more than one varsity sport. Um, I still believe that that is the best way to bring us up as athletes. Um, and I think that there are some sports that are asking for specialization 
so early. Um, the, the outliers for me are things like baseball and lacrosse. Um, it was not long ago that lacrosse athletes were being asked to sign with their colleges in eighth grade. And so to me, that is just, that's just a tragedy that we're missing out on the ability for these kids to do other things. Um, dance is another one that they really specialize in so early and um, miss the opportunity uh, to do a lot of other things with their bodies and their minds. I mean, when would you have that conversation with a parent regarding obesity and when it's a problem? Because we have plenty of parents, who, you know, my kid's big boned, he's really strong. And we have some, I've, my, my nine-year-old is a thick kid, you know, he's, he's all muscle, <laughs> you know, but how do we know as parents when this is a problem? Yeah, I think that is such a good point. So I really don't, in my practice, even look. I, I'm in an in um, epic health system, the electronic medical record, where there's a number that I could click on before I go into the room. I on don't, um, because I want to see what the kid looks like. I want to see where they are carrying their weight. So if somebody is, you know, um, got a big belly walking around on beanpole legs, that's a very different dynamic than somebody like what, who you just described. And so um, I want to look at how they're proportioned and how they're moving their body. And um, there's some sports that you do carry extra weight. So the high school football player, um, defensive linemen, they're going to be bigger and that's got to be okay. Um, but if they're starting to carry all their weight in their belly um, and it's not muscle and it's not strength, um, there's, there's a starting to be bigger risk. Well, I really appreciate the conversation we had today. Again, we could probably talk for hours on these subjects. <laughs> Some of the things that you know really came out of the conversation, though, I think will help many of my parents or many of my listeners who are parents in hopefully some injury prevention, helping their kids heal. But for people who want to learn more about what you do, where can people connect with you or where can people find out more? Um, thank you. So my, I have a website, jenniferweissmd.com, and um, I have a blog um, that lives there. And um, I have some pieces on Thrive Global, as well as um, I'm very excited about one coming out on Kevin MD in the next few weeks. But please, um, and my uh, Twitter is and Instagram are my mom, the surgeon. Perfect. Thank you again for your time today. And uh, best of luck in the future. Thank you so much. You take care. Thanks for listening to the Heal Better Fast podcast at www.healbetterfast.com. Oh.